Hello, my name is Reverend Seth Nelson, and I am the pastor of Faith Lutheran Church in Ronan, Montana. Join in weekly to hear the good news of God's love proclaimed over your life. You can follow us on Podbean and iTunes. God bless you this day. Our gospel lesson for this week comes from Luke, the 16th chapter. Then Jesus said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was squandering his property. So he summoned him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Give me an accounting of your management, because you cannot be my manager any longer. Then the manager said to himself, What will I do now that my master is taking the position away from me? I am not strong enough to dig and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do so that when I am dismissed as manager, people may welcome me into their homes. So, summoning his master's debtors one by one, he asked, he asked the first, How much do you owe my master? He answered, A hundred jugs of oil. He said to him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it fifty. Then he asked another, And how much do you owe? He replied, a hundred containers of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and make it 80. And his master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth, so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into the, into the eternal homes. Whoever is faithful in a very little is faithful also in much. And whoever is dishonest in a very little is dishonest also in much. If then you have, been, have not been faithful with the dishonest wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own? No slave can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Here ends our gospel lesson. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Jesus' parable from Luke for this week is kind of a head-scratcher to make sense of. Though I believe that part of the challenge is more from our end than because of the text itself. Reading 2,000-year-old texts can not only be difficult work to discern, Words are originally written in a dead language, after all. They can also be confusing to understand from a cultural perspective. For instance, in 21st century America, we have our own assumptions and understandings of what it means for somebody to squander their property or the property that they manage. It likely means, when we say this, that Somebody was lazy with it. Uh, They let it go to ruin or even took out credit on the property to pay for other things they wanted without being able to pay 
the mortgage back. In the context of this parable, what it means for the manager of the household to squander the owner's property seems to mean something different than what most of us today would mean when we say somebody squandered property. These differences in expectations, assumptions, and cultural understanding around language and economic practices are stark from their time and place to our own. Simply put, they did things quite a bit differently in ancient Judea. And though the details of this parable were almost definitely easier for people from Jesus' time to understand, the details of this story are confusing when read from practices and expectations of our own time. If you didn't quite understand it when we read through it, you're in good company. (laughs) So what does this parable mean? Well, let us begin by breaking down what happens in the story. To begin with, there was a rich man who has a property manager that was accused of squandering the owner's property. We do not know who accused him, but it's a parable. So if that detail is not included, it probably does not matter very much. The rich owner then summons the manager asks him a couple questions, then says that he is going to fire him. It was kind of a bum deal for the manager, especially since good-paying jobs were nearly impossible to replace in the ancient world if you lost one. There was virtually no middle class back then and extremely limited opportunities for upward mobility. So the rich man firing the manager essentially meant that he was condemning the guy to a life of poverty. The manager says as much, Dex declaring to himself, what will I do now that my master is taking the position away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig and I am ashamed to beg. I've decided what to do so that when I am dismissed as manager, People may welcome me into their homes. The manager was self-aware, and he was shrewd in trying to position himself as best as possible for his next options after he was fully out of a job. He summoned one of his master's debtors who owed him 100, owed 100 jugs of olive oil and cut the bill down to 50. One who owed 100 containers of wheat and cut that bill down to 80, and so on and so forth. He discounted the amounts due back to his master so that his master's debtors would now owe him something in return, and therefore uh, look out for him when he no longer had his job to fall back on. It is the activity of discounting the owner's debtors uh, that some speculate was why the master accused him of squandering his master's property in the first place. He refused to exact all the interest and crippling prices that were owed. Now this interpretation makes sense, except for the fact that the rich owner next commended the dishonest manager as shrewd, which can also be translated from the Greek as wise or prudent. 
and commended him as shrewd, wise, or prudent for how he cut deals to get their patrons to pay up and garner favor for the soon-to-be unemployed manager. Now, it, is, it is confusing when we think about who we should side with as the ones that Jesus praises in this parable and who Jesus derides in the story. Some interpreters feel that Jesus is poking at the rich owner and lender for punishing the leniency of his property manager and not exacting full amounts. Now, this seems unlikely to me with how he praised him for cutting deals before he was cut loose. But it is still possible that the manager squandered his boss's property by being too lax with his repayment pressure. Perhaps the rich owner thought he needed to be more like Don Corleone and the Godfather, make them offers that they couldn't refuse. Right? <clears throat> now others think that Jesus is showing that the man- manager's story serves as a cautionary tale of worldly wealth. Most of his hearers would have probably longed for a job as cushy and well-paid as the manager's. But Jesus laid out before them that this position of great aspiration could be taken from them like that. And that they would be right back to cutting deals and hoping for their friends to bail them out. More or less the life that most of them already lived. Either way, It is difficult for us to really understand who or what actions in the parable Jesus would want us to side with or emulate in our own lives. Should we commend the dishonest manager like the rich owner did at the end? If so, why do we call him the dishonest manager? Should we side with the rich owner for firing his employee for not being up to the job? Perhaps, but much of what Jesus taught shows that this would just be a necessary part of economic life, not something that we should aspire to as Christian disciples. Ultimately, I believe Jesus is teaching us once again that we should not place our hope in what we own, what we might earn one day, where we work or any other material ambition. This is a much easier trap to fall into than we might expect. It is easy to think that we have no need or any sense of God in our lives when all our other needs are met. It is as Martin Luther said roughly 500 years ago, many, and he wrote, Many a person thinks he has God and everything he needs when he has money and property. In them he trusts, and of them he boasts so stubbornly and securely that he cares for no one. Surely such a man has a God, mammon by name, that is money and possessions, on which he fixes his whole heart. It is the most common idol on earth. Wealth can easily become an idol indeed. A false God on whose abundance we celebrate, whose absence 
we fear, and one in whom far too many put their trust. However, I believe that God is challenging us through this passage to devote ourselves to higher things than money and the stuff we own. The thrust of this parable and passage can be summed up in verse 13, in which Jesus says to us, No slave can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. And the Greek term here for wealth is mammon, as Martin Luther put in his quote. We cannot serve God and wealth, God and mammon. <clears throat> These two are not always in direct opposition to one another, but they do conflict far more often than most of us would like to admit. There is a sense of joy, perhaps, in thinking that we might all one day all be millionaires and billionaires, right? Perhaps then our stresses and struggles will just fade away, right? But there is even greater, far more everlasting joy that we might all inherit what God has promised us through Jesus Christ. These promises are eternal and worth pursuing far more diligently than any level of worldly wealth. When push comes to shove, God is indeed far more worthy of our praise, devotion, and effort than any amount of mammon, any amount of wealth in this world. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, Keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. I hope that you've enjoyed this week's sermon podcast. If you would like to hear more, read my blog, or get a copy of my book called The Church Unknown, go to www.revsethnelson.com. If you feel called to support our ministry, I invite you to go to our church's website at flcronan.org and click on the Offerings tab. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace.